On this episode of the 21st Century Classroom. Uh, I'm not like a super techie person. I'm not like one of those persons who knows everything and like can figure out computer problems. Um, I think I like using technology better than like writing it in a book or something or researching it. We talk to members of Generation Z and find out how they really feel about technology. My mom got an iPhone and she was super excited and she couldn't figure out how to use it. And I go, Mom, I never had an iPhone, but I knew how to operate it. And because my friends all have iPhones, so I know how they operate them. So, Who is Generation Z? First, there was the lost generation. Then came the greatest generation. Followed by the silent generation, the me generation, and Generation X. Now comes the overscheduled, overprotected, hyperparented generation. Loosely defined as teens and preteens born after 1995, the term Generation Z has gained widespread notoriety as the result of a 2014 presentation made by a New York City advertising firm. They described the post-millennial generation as, among other things, inherently technology-savvy, a discussion that's resurrected the idea that students today can be considered so-called digital natives, while their parents and teachers are digital immigrants. Pundits have been quick to pick up on Generation Z's purported technophilia, with author and consultant Don Tapscott maintaining technology is, quote, like air to them, and Maclean's magazine columnist Ann Kingston writing of the most profound generation gap ever, a digital divide between parents who see the internet as disrupting society as we know it, and their kids. But how accurate can any blanket statement about an entire generation be? We sat down and tried to figure out how Generation Z's relationship with technology differs from that of their parents and older family members. And we did this by going out and asking some middle schoolers at Crossett Brook Middle School and Warren Elementary how technology influences their lives. What we found is that they and their families don't fit into any easy generalization. Well, my mom got a new iPhone like a while ago and I had to like explain to her what to do. <laughs> yeah. Because... I've like had technology like all my life. Some of the apps on my mom's phone is untouched actually. My mom, I think me and my mom are pretty much in the same amount of understanding and the amount that we use it. Cause she understands it, and, but my dad's really techie and the computer guy. My dad has his own cleaning business and he he's always on the um, computer or on his iPad looking and like see who paid online or he's always on the com he's always on the computer almost every day. Um, I myself and my family, my mom, she doesn't really use the technology that much. She'll kind of just rather look at books or something like that. But my sister definitely loves technology too. Educator Life Ligeros recently relocated to Vermont from Massachusetts. He's been a math teacher, assistant principal, and director of state math initiatives at the Massachusetts Department of Education. Uh, my first thoughts were that there was something to this Gen Z thing. You know, I've been working with 
adolescence for quite some time, most of my professional career. And, you know, not only are they clearly growing up in a totally different environment and mindset than my experiences, but I've seen that even change drastically over the past 10, 15 years for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in Nebraska and I was in the capital city, but there were ideas and influences that we did not have any access to, mm-hmm. much less the kids live in 100 miles west of me in the cornfields. But these days, kids, not only has society changed a lot, but they're, it's like in their face and they have it at their fingertips, the different ideas out there. You know? Like this whole dynamic is um, very confused right now where the adults don't necessarily know more, but you can't assume the kids know everything. So who's actually going to help them with it? So we put that question to the students. Who helps them with new technology? In school, we, at least last year, we did a lot more, um, we did coding. There's like websites um, for coding. And uh, at the library, my mom works at the library, and she did a program about coding where you got to go on a website and do your own coding. Yeah, I, I love apps, so I uh, just go out there and try it. I'm sort of the same. I like read the directions because sometimes I don't get them how to play the game or something. Same. How to use it. Do you read the directions first? Yeah, before I like start pressing play. Um, I'd be like hands-on, like self-taught. Like I wouldn't need help to figure out how to use it. A common fear that sprung up around the Generation Z idea is that technology is already so ubiquitous in students' lives that it's crowding out other activities. Except, the students we spoke to seem to have a pretty advanced grip on screen time balance. I own an iPhone, so I like to play games on that, and I watch Netflix on it. Um, but I, I try to make it sort of even. I feel like if I spend one day just inside watching TV a lot, I try to make it so that I go outside more because I don't want to just spend all my time inside looking at a screen all day. On those days, I like play for like an hour or so, and then we go out and bounce on my brother's trampoline. And most of the time, we just have to go to hockey because we have hockey all winter, four days a week, and we have preseason now. In normal times, I'd probably get in about an hour of games after my homework, but I'm more outside in the meadow climbing a random tree. University of Vermont graduate research fellow Mark Olofsson does research around technology integration in education. Here's what he has to say. So this, this narrative of digital natives is really reductive in nature. It ignores that there's uh, individual student differences, that there's regional differences, that there's differences across that align with different socioeconomic stuff. And it's really important for us when we're, when we're thinking about, you know, technology integration, that if we resort to this reductive thinking, we miss the necessary teaching and learning that has to happen in order for students to be able to utilize um, the technology that's present in the world and that's, that they are going to encounter. And so when we just take it as, yep, these kids, they're Generation Z, they know how to do all this stuff, they're natural learners when it comes to technology, they take to it like a fish in water and that sort of thing, not only do we miss the opportunity to teach kids and set them up for success, we further exasperate 
the existing gaps between kids who have had the opportunity to interact and the time and um, the resources to work with all these pieces and those who haven't and those that have chosen not to. And I mean, that can be, that can even just be a mindset difference. And that if we, if we ignore those differences and just assume that, you know, the kids are what the articles and what the rhetoric around Generation Z are that we we disadvantage a lot of kids and back to life Ligeros. what are these kind of generally what are stereotypes and biases good for what is reduction good for well it's really efficient you know you can't like cater to every single individual but on the other hand in education as a teacher that's kind of the what we're going for to try to cater to individuals as much as we can So it seems more problematic than ever to try to quantify an entire generation. In doing so, we kind of sound like crotchety old folks. So your grandfather was over and he came over and he he sees you sitting back on the couch relaxing, watching or playing Mortal Kombat. uh, He's like, we didn't have these games back when we were little. Back when I was a kid, there was no things like this. We, We were back there twiddling our thumbs just Doing our homework. <laughs> the 21st Century Classroom is a podcast of the Tarrant Institute for Innovative Education. Check us out online at blog.tarrantinstitute.org. Thank you to Heidi Ringer and the students at Warren Elementary and Sarah Huff and the students at Crossett Brook Middle School for their help with this episode. The music is, as always, a song called Amphibious Circuits by the band Dirtwire, licensed through Creative Commons. 